Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello. (laughs) So... I made it here, but I have no idea what I'm going to (laughs) say. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Crystal. I am new to Heartway, a little new. (laughs) Um, And all of you look very beautiful from up here, so I get it. I get it why they get crunk on the stage, because it's a good place to be. (laughs) Um, So this week for me, Um, everyday week, uh, normal week, but it was grounded in healing through letting go. Ooh, I'm already getting (laughs) serious. Thanks, Em. You didn't tell me about this part. Uh, (laughs) uh, Healing through letting go. And um, I believe that for us to do that, the first thing we need to do is to find acceptance in our hearts. Um, for who we are, where we are in our journeys, where we've been, where we're going, because we have the ability to paint that picture as well. Um, Because with God, and when we find that stillness within us, we become the creators of our lives. And to become that beautiful creator, to find that stillness, to become that emptiness that we are, um, it is through acceptance and it is through love. So if you may, join me in this beautiful journey of healing as we let go, as we accept all parts of us. Uh, I ask that you close your eyes if you may. Something I like to do, I don't know, I like to take my glasses off for meditation. (laughs) I feel a little bit lighter. So I just ask anyone to do that as well. Um, And as you close your eyes, you can face your palms upward to feel the sacred energy of the divine, to receive that energy. You can face your palms downward to find that grounding within your heart, that grounding within God. Or you can put your your arms, your hands at heart center to become one with all that is. And I want you just to take a moment to be here in this moment with yourself, with your heart, with your loving divine soul, and understand how special you are to be here. God has chosen you. This is not a mistake. You are one in the seven billion people on this earth. Your journey, your soul is so purposeful You are absolutely prosperous. You are absolute abundance. 
And there is no situation in the external world that can ever take that away from you. They may be distractions, but at the end of the day, you are absolutely whole. You are absolutely love. And you are absolute light. And you are so beautiful. And I invite you to inhale through your nose. And a deep exhale through your mouth. And as we cleanse the body, we inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale through the mouth. A deep inhale through the nose and a deep audible exhale through the mouth. And now we'll practice what is called our ujjayi breath, where we inhale through the nose and we exhale through the nose. And as you continue to find your center, the thoughts will come. They will be there. And the key is to become the observer of the thought, to find healing in the thought. What is the thought trying to teach you? Where's the healing in the thought? Deep inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale through the nose. I invite you to bring a light into your heart as you inhale through the nose. And as you exhale, send this light throughout your body. Let it heal your mind, your heart, and your soul. Let it heal your worries, your fears, your anxieties. And internally or externally, may you repeat, I accept exactly who I am in this moment. accept exactly who I am in this moment. Ask yourself if, if there's any emotion that you're holding on to. 
Is there sadness? Is there a feeling of injustice? Is there anger? Let go. Let go. And accept exactly who you are in this moment as you let go. And a deep inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale through the nose. And we'll do that one more time. Deep inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale through the nose. Continue to send this light through all parts of your body. Start with the mind and let this light work its way to all parts of your body, to your throat. Is there something that you need to say that is on your heart? You are strong. You have the right to use your voice. You have the right to be heard. And a deep inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale through the nose. And we continue to send this beautiful light, this light of God, this light of wisdom, of healing, of strength to the heart. And if you may join me, put your hand on your heart and tell your heart how beautiful you are. Acknowledge the beauty of your heart. Acknowledge its intricacies, how it works so effortlessly. Acknowledge the beauty that you bring to this world, your magic. If there's pain in your heart, let go. You are free to let go. there is any fear, anxiety, let go. You are not alone. You are being divinely guided by this beautiful light, by this beautiful life force energy. And a deep inhale through your nose and send that beautiful breath straight to your heart.
Feel the belly as it expands as you take that deep inhale through the nose. And a deep exhale. I am light. Say to yourself, I am absolute love. Say to yourself, and believe that exactly where you are right now is where you're meant to be. Paint a clear picture in your mind of any pain that you may be going through right now that you need to let go of or that you wish to let go of and paint the picture of what it looks like when you finally let it go. Because you are so strong. we search for a rescue outside of us but this emptiness that you feel that beautiful heart that you feel that is your home and internally or externally tell yourself I am already home I am already home Before we close out, may you take this light in your heart and send it out to anyone in your life, anyone in this world that you feel needs this beautiful light, needs this extra love. The beautiful people in Miami that have lost their family members, someone close to your heart, send this light out to the world. Take a deep inhale one more time through the nose. Deep exhale through the nose. And as we continue to raise the vibration of this planet, may we remember that we are absolute love and light. ready, open your big beautiful eyes and see and feel how beautiful you are. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> If you're not charged up already, I don't know what it's gonna take. I'm so happy to see all of you here. My name is Danny, my wife and I started this community about five, six years ago, and 
we created this place as a safe space for people to find healing. You know, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see this word a lot. It's the word salvation. And in the Greek, the word salvation literally means healing, wholeness. We are here to open up our hearts for the presence of love to bring healing and wholeness into our lives. And so I like to think of Heartway as a school of love. This is where we come to allow the spirit to do its work within us, to make us into the most loving version of ourselves. So often when we're out there in the world, we're running away from ourselves. We're afraid of who we are and we're afraid of letting other people see who we genuinely are. And so we live in this state of shame. And here at Heartway, we hope that you feel the warmth of this invitation to come as you are, to be who you are, to allow yourself to be seen so that you can experience this healing through which your entire world will then be healed as well. And I don't know about you, but I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidences. And the fact that each and every one of you are here now in this moment is grace from God. It is grace. You know why? Because you are uh, positioning yourself to listen to a healing word, a liberating word, a freeing word. Some people remain in their bondage because they never hear that there is a way out. And you are here, which means you get to hear. And the scriptures say that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. But a lot of places, they don't hear a liberating word. A lot of people, when they go to certain spaces, they don't hear a freeing word. They, they hear a word that puts them in shackles, that keeps them in bondage. But here at Heartway, you're, you're going to hear a liberating word. And so I'm grateful that we get to share in this moment and in this experience together. And today's healing word is specifically catered for everybody who's in this room. I know it will relate to you. It relates so impactfully to my life, which is why I want to speak about it. I feel like every message that I share is really just a message for myself that I let everybody in on. <laughs> but we're all the same. We're all dealing with the same stuff. And so the title of my message today is called Giving Up to Gain. Giving up to gain. In order to attain anything that's worthwhile in your life, you have to be willing to sacrifice and give up certain things to get what it is that you're after. Right? It's very common knowledge that everything good comes at a cost. And so if you have ever pursued anything wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly in your life, whether that be a dream a passion, a gift, a skill set, a person, if you've ever pursued anything with everything you have inside of you, you know that even though you've had to give up and sacrifice a whole lot of things to get what you were seeking after, that it was worth it. It was worth it. The reward on the other side of the sacrifice makes it worth it. And so if this is true of all of our worldly pursuits, how much more true is this of our spiritual pursuits? And when it comes to our spiritual pursuit, 
What we are seeking to gain is God, the ultimate, God within us, God consciousness, God realization. And the formula for spiritual transformation is very simple. In order to gain God, you first have to be willing to give up your current self-identity. And so there's this story in the Hebrew scriptures about a man named Abraham. Abraham in the New Testament is considered to be the father of faith because his life was an example of what it means to live in a state of faith, absolute trust in God. Well, Abraham received a promise from God very early on in his journey. God appears before Abraham and tells him that through him will come about a great nation, the nation of Israel. He would have many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. The only problem was Abraham, at the time of receiving this promise, was in his 90s. His wife was also in, his in her 90s. They didn't have any kids. So I have this vision, this purpose that was given to me by God. Many descendants, a very expansive lineage a nation that would come forth from my descendants, and yet I have no kids. That's an issue, right? Well, at some point, the miracle baby arrives, and the miracle baby is named Isaac. Isaac means the one who laughs, because when they heard the news that they were going to have a child in their 90s, they laughed at God. They were like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. We're going to have a baby. You're crazy. All things are possible. All things are possible to the one who has faith, right? And so they have their kid. Now, this story takes a crazy turn because when that child becomes about 13 years old, God appears before Abraham again. And God asks Abraham to do the unthinkable. God asks Abraham to sacrifice his child. Now, before we project all of our modern sensibilities onto this ancient story, remember, this is an ancient story, an ancient time. And you know humans used to sacrifice other humans. If you've ever been to Mexico and you take a picture on those pyramids, what do you think they were doing up there? All right, sacrificing a bunch of humans. Oh, my God, there's a hurricane coming. It's going to wipe out our entire town. God must be mad at us, so let's sacrifice something. Right, so that God will be pleased with us and this doesn't happen again, okay? So humans have been trying to manipulate God through sacrifice for a really long time. Some people are still doing that in different ways. Nevertheless, with all of that to the side, just listen to the story and the, and the, and the spiritual lesson that is seeking to be conveyed, that the scripture writers sought to convey through this. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, the unthinkable. Abraham was a man of faith. God said to do something, he decided he was going to do it. So the next day, he gets the wood ready, he gets his donkeys, he says goodbye to his family, doesn't tell Isaac what's going down, he just says, hey, come with me, we got to offer a sacrifice to God. They go up the mountain, midway up the mountain, Isaac's like, hey, dad, uh, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> I don't see any lambs around here, <laughs> all right, what's going on? <laughs> What's going on? They get to the top of the mountain. Abraham sets up the altar, 
I don't know how that conversation went down where he got Isaac to actually get on there. But he does, and he ties him down, and he gets a knife. And you have to realize, you know, this is his son. So that in and of itself is a huge deal. But what Isaac represents is so much more than that. This is also Abraham's identity being laid down on the altar. I mean, his sense of self was connected to his family lineage, his descendants. He's given up his identity, his dream, his vision for the future, his purpose, his meaning in life, all of it being laid down out of an act of faithfulness to God. He lifts up the knife, and as soon as he goes to sacrifice his young boy, he hears the voice of an angel that tells him not to do it. God provides another sacrifice, and it is revealed to Abraham that this was a test of his faith, and Abraham proves himself to be a faithful and devoted human being who is willing to give up anything and everything for the sake of God. And as a result, the angel makes a declaration to Abraham reassures him of this promise that God made to him many years earlier. You can read it in the book of Genesis chapter 22. He says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. As a result of this sacrifice, the floodgates of blessing began to open up in Abraham's life and the spiritual principle that is at work in this story is one that is very applicable to you and I and I believe it is summarized best by these words from the German mystic Meister Eckhart who said God is ready to give great things when we are ready to give up everything God is ready to give great things going to come with a cost and that cost is when we are ready to give up everything everything there is so much potential embedded within each and every one of us we have the capacity to transcend suffering to experience peace to cultivate joy to feel and spread love to make genuine connections to live into our truest and deepest, most authentic selves, to know and see God. That potential is inherent within us, but that potential remains untapped if we remain unwilling to let go and give up our attachment to ego. As long as we are holding on to ego, meaning my life, my way, on my terms, we will never experience the fullness of what God has in store for our lives. And we will never step into the fullness of our own potential. See, most people settle for a superficial life. And what I mean by that is we settle for the external stuff. Life, the good life to us is about success and money and fame and getting known and accomplishing and achieving and doing and earning. But what really makes life worth living has nothing to do with all that stuff on the outside. What really makes life worth living is who you are on the inside, what you're carrying within yourself, your state of mind. 
the quality of your perception. And so there has to be a sort of re-engineering and rewiring of sorts that needs to happen within us in order for us to live into the fullness of our potential. And when I speak of our potential, I want you to know that our potential is nothing less than divinity. Okay, we are capable of exuding the life of the divine in and through our humanity. We are capable of accessing a higher level of consciousness whereby we see as God sees. This is possible for us. And yet in order for us to ascend to God in this way, we first have to descend into ourselves and identify all of those obstacles that get in the way, the mental paradigms, the beliefs, the frameworks that are holding us back from being all that we can be, from becoming who we really already are without knowing it. And so today's invitation for you is to Look inside and begin to recognize what it is that God may be asking you to sacrifice on the altar. What is that thing that you hold on to, that you are unwilling to let go of, that God is asking you to give up? Because remember, God is willing and ready to give great things when we are ready to give up everything. And if you have a hard time identifying what some of those things may be that you need to give up, I have some suggestions for you. <laughs> All right? Here's suggestion number one. Just suggestions. I'm not saying you got to do this, okay? Just suggestions. First thing you got to give up if you want to gain God is your own self-importance. Give up your self-importance. I can't think of anything more detrimental to your spiritual growth and transformation than taking yourself too seriously. When you really think you're an important person, it is only a matter of time before you start looking at other people as if they were beneath you. And they are here to serve you. And even though in your own self-importance you act as if you are superior to other people, you are actually enslaved to them because you need their affirmation to feel good about yourself. And so I have to make sure that I give off this image, that I make sure everybody knows I'm really important, whatever that looks like for you. Remember people used to call me? Hey, Danny, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I just had to be busy because if I'm busy and people know that I'm important, what do you pastors do all week? Oh, man, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. <laughs> it's awesome. But you have to make sure you give off this image because if you don't give off this image that you're important, you won't get people's attention. You won't get people's respect. And without that, how are you going to feel significant about yourself? And so, of course, all of this is just a cover-up for our insecurity. The people who make themselves seem like they are the most important are actually the most insecure about themselves. And so our sense of self-importance 
just becomes a cover-up for all of those flaws and weaknesses and areas of shame that we have not yet brought to the light. And so you can see how somebody who is very important in their own eyes is very far removed from their core. You can see how difficult it is for someone who takes themselves too seriously to get in touch with their emotions, to know themselves on a deeper level. Because this kind of inner work, this kind of inner healing requires honesty, it requires truth-telling, it requires vulnerability, and vulnerability will humble you. Part of the reason why we don't want to take this inner journey is because we know how embarrassed we will be when we finally come to see how we have created the mess that our life is. It's difficult, which is why one teacher says, before the truth sets you free, it will make you miserable. Are you willing to go through that misery? It's called facing yourself, facing yourself. This is why the people who do inner work like this, people who are concerned with spiritual transformation, are the most courageous people in the world. Because we refuse to run away from ourselves. We're going to actually face ourselves. Vulnerability, the honesty, the truth telling. You can't do this if you're trying to keep up with an image. Drop your image. Drop your self-importance. You're really not that important, and that's not nothing to be depressed about. Like, if you die tomorrow, the world will go on. And all of this stuff that you make a really big deal about, that you think it's up to you to do something about and change, if you die tomorrow, it will fix itself. It will continue happening the way that it happens. So you're really not that important. But you are important, but not that important. You understand? You're important, but don't think about it too much. That's number one. The second one, this one is, this is huge. Give up self-judgment. I'm convinced that our deepest fear as human beings is our fear of freedom. And hear me out for one second. You are more free as a human being than you could ever possibly imagine. You are free to do what you want. You are free to do as you please. You are not free from the consequences of your actions. That's always going to come and happen. But you are free to do what you want. This is a God-given freedom. We don't necessarily give ourselves this freedom because we know that oftentimes the things that we want are harmful and toxic and unhelpful. And so we create restrictions. Society creates restrictions. Religion creates restrictions. Laws and customs and rules and regulations to keep our harmful desires at bay. And that's helpful in one sense because it allows us to develop some sort of collective sense of what is right and wrong, helps us to live together in harmony. It brings some sort of order to our communal living. So it's helpful in that sense, but it's unhelpful in another sense because the more we restrict ourselves from doing certain things, the more we desire to do those things that are restricted. Okay? So... In the book of Romans, chapter 7, Paul makes this very uh, 
interesting claim. He's talking about the rules from his religious upbringing. The law of Moses. And he says the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. But the law aroused my own evil desires. The law aroused my evil desires, which is our basic human dilemma. You tell me not to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to want to do. You tell me I have to wear a mask, I don't want to wear a mask. That's just how it works, right? We've, all, we've seen that in what's happened lately. Nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's just humanity. God tells Adam and Eve, don't eat the fruit. First thing they want to do is of all the trees in the garden, every tree is available to you. But that one, they said not to eat that one. I want to go eat that one and see what happens. You tell me not to do something, I'm going to want to do it more. So when we are harsh with ourselves in those moments that we give in to our desires, when we judge ourselves, unconsciously we're actually strengthening our desire for those things that we are judging ourselves for doing. We're strengthening that desire within us because we're creating a forbidden fruit. And any sort of forbidden fruit in our life is going to become very attractive and desirable to us. So first things first, if you want to set yourself free from certain habitual patterns and tendencies that are toxic and unhelpful, you have to stop judging yourself for it. That is step one. If you judge yourself, that means you're trying to change yourself. You're trying to fix yourself. Doesn't work. The only way you change is by understanding yourself. How can you truly understand another human being if you're just judging them? Same is true for yourself. How, how are you going to understand the way that you're wired? Why you desire to do certain things? Why your behavior patterns are what they are? If you're judging yourself. If you remove the judgment and just observe yourself from a place of neutrality and you just gave some energy to seeking to understand yourself, the change and the transformation would begin to happen on its own, inevitably. Of course, we're so used to rushing towards judgment. But if you were to give yourself grace, if you were to give yourself the freedom to fall, and stumble and make bad decisions, you would come to discover very quickly that all of the things you've always wanted to do aren't really worth wanting anymore. They leave you empty. They leave you unsatisfied. But if you never let yourself eat forbidden fruit, you're always going to think it tastes better than it really does. Give yourself the freedom to stumble and fall and get it wrong. And now here's the secret. In that moment when you are the most ashamed, in that moment when you feel the most guilt, when you feel the most unworthy, love yourself right there. With an unconditional love. It's almost going to feel like you're giving yourself a pass. 
It's going to feel like it's too good to be true. That's grace. That's grace. Give yourself love exactly in that moment when you feel the most unlovable. Let yourself experience the love of God there. Because you are trapped in all of those places where you have yet to let love in. You are trapped in all those places where you have yet to let love in. So let love in. Right there in the middle of the shame. And that is what will begin to change you. You see, guilt operates off of the assumption that there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. We feel guilt because we have a faulty perception of ourselves. Guilt makes us feel like we are not worthy. There's something intrinsically wrong with who I am. So there has to be a shift in identity. We have to move from incomplete to complete. We have to move from broken to whole. We have to move from unworthy to totally loved by God as I am. And you have to make this shift before your behavior shifts. The identity shift has to come before the behavior shift. Otherwise, the behavior shift won't come. The identity shift has to happen first. I am who God says I am. I am whole. I am complete. I am lovable. I am worthy. I am not broken. I am forgiven. I am a recipient of grace. I am free. I am who I am and who I am is enough. And when that remains true for you, even when you go down the road that you should not go, very soon you will begin to experience a change and a shift, which is why the scriptures say, delight yourself in God, and God will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean if I delight myself in God, God's going to give me a Lamborghini. <laughs> no. The way I read that is if I delight myself in God, in this specific example, you know what? I just messed up, I hurt a lot of people, or I went back to an old behavior pattern that I said I would never go back to. I feel guilty, I feel ashamed. Oh, I just relapsed again, and I said I wasn't gonna do it. If I can give myself grace there, if I can love myself fully and completely there, if I can delight in God there, God will change the desires of my heart. God will give me new desires. That's the whole point. See, true freedom is being content with yourself as you are. That's what all of us are looking for. True freedom is to be content with yourself as you are. It's the ultimate liberation. We're scared of this because we think, if I am just content with myself as I am, if I just accept myself as I am, I'm going to go off the deep end. I'm just going to give myself over to my deepest and darkest desires. I'm just going to do everything that I shouldn't do. No, 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 you don't get it. The reason why you do that to begin with is because you're not content with yourself. So you're looking for something outside of yourself to fill you. If you were content with yourself... Your desires would change. Why would somebody who's open, clear, filled with the love of God want to go back to their vomit? Like the Proverbs say, you know, a fool returns to their folly like a dog returns to their vomit. Why would you want to go back? 
You wouldn't. But this begins with this internal shift. A shift in identity, a shift in self-perception. You are radically and totally loved by God. You are a child of God. Did you know that Jesus at one point tells one of his disciples who asked him how many times he should forgive people who hurt him and who, and who go against him? He says, 70 times 7, which is just symbolism for you forgive and you keep forgiving and you never stop forgiving. And you're not doing that so much for them. You're doing it for you, even though when you do it, that has an effect. People aren't used to that kind of grace. People aren't used to that kind of forgiveness that shakes you up, that does something. If God expects that in our response to others, how much more will God expect that in our own response to our mess and our junk? Are you willing to forgive yourself 70 times 7? Wake up call. You'll never do it for someone else until you do it for yourself. It starts with you. It starts with you. And you know what? It's like a couple quotes are coming to my mind. Number one, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, he once said, be a sinner and sin boldly. <laughs> the rest of that quote is, but believe even more boldly in Christ. I like that first part. Be a sinner and sin boldly. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about, bud? Yes. Yes. Be a sinner and sin boldly. And in that moment when you are trapped in your darkness, let the light of God's love in. That will be enough to change you little by little by little. You got to drop the self-judgment. When you drop the self-judgment, you will begin to be able to understand yourself. And that self-understanding is what will produce radical transformation in your life. This leads me to the last point. If you want to gain God, you got to give up your need to save the world. This is a really important one, okay? Everybody wants to save the world. And we all do it with the best of intentions. Everybody has good intentions. On both sides of the political spectrum, everybody has the best of intentions. And they want to go save the world. The problem is we want peace, at least I would think, right? We want peace, but our means for attaining that peace are not peaceful. So how can you get peace without being a peaceable person? It doesn't work like that. So the Sufi mystic Rumi puts it best when he says, yesterday I was clever, so... Well, yeah, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. When you're really adamant about wanting to change the world, you can get into some dangerous territory. And what I mean by that is, watch out that you don't slip into this idea that you have the moral high ground. The moment someone believes they have the moral high ground, that becomes such an easy justification to shame and judge and exclude other people because <laughs> I'm right. 
And this is the truth. And this is a non-negotiable moral issue, which is another way of saying, I can't even hear what another person has to say or what their opinion is because the door is shut closed. What is right is right. What is true is true. That's it. And when this is your mentality, when you believe you have the moral upper hand, it becomes so easy to demonize people who see it any other way than you do. And this is how we get a world where people bully and disrespect and demean one another on the internet and call it social justice. It's crazy. It's crazy. And the long, we're, we're, we are brand new to this internet thing. We are the early adopters, right? The internet is going to create more tribalism. It's going to create more echo chambers. It's going to make it even more difficult for people to sit at a table with those who are different than them and see a human being. And so... We have to make sure that we don't fall into that trap of the moral high ground, moral superiority. If you really want to help the world, stop trying to fix and change everybody or tell them what to do. If you were honest about how hard it is to change yourself, you would know how pointless it is to try and change anybody else. You can't even change yourself. And you're out here trying to save the world? Really? And you still can't put that beer down? All right, nothing wrong with you. You're fine. I'm just saying, before we point out the speck in our brother's eye, let's look at the log in our own. No guilt and shame in this. Let's just be honest. Let's just be real. Let's just speak the truth. The most effective way to change the world is from within. It begins with your heart. If you want to affect change, you need to become the change. This is why the work of spiritual transformation is essential for humanity's next step of evolution to a higher level of consciousness, a unitive consciousness where we're not separating ourselves on the basis of religion, color, class, creed, beliefs, political ideologies, so on and so forth. It's inner work, healing work. And guess what? When you pursue truth, when you pursue God, you are serving all of humanity. Your own spiritual growth and transformation brings benefit to all of society. Because now we have one less person, one less human being contributing to the mess. Well, well how, do I, how do I stand up for this issue that I'm really passionate about? And how do I fix this problem unless I scream and yell at people and make them feel horrible about themselves because they, they see it differently? Well, what's your issue? You got a problem with people that don't take care of the environment? Just take care of the environment. Take care of the environment. You have a big issue with 
the race problems that we have in our world? Well, don't be a racist. Just don't be a racist. I was speaking with somebody the other day, and I'm going to share this. I don't know what the consequence will be of this, but I'm going to share it because I believe this is a step in the right direction. I have a friend of mine who works in real estate, and they, were, they bought a home, and they were going to fix up this house. And there was a neighbor... Okay, this person is Hispanic, as Hispanic as they can possibly be. Well, there was a neighbor, a white neighbor, I don't know, all right, it's a white neighbor, who didn't like, maybe, what was going on here and decided to make a few phone calls to the city that there were certain things happening here in this home and repairs that are being made that maybe aren't following the protocol, whatever. As this Hispanic person is telling me about this situation, First thing they said to me is, well, you know what? I don't know if it's, if it's a race thing involved or if there's some, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I, you know, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion because I don't have proof. I don't, I don't have the proof. I don't really know if this white person was creating problems for me because I'm Hispanic. So I'm not going to go there. Wow, think about this for one second. How easy would it be if you're in that situation and you're experiencing some sort of opposition from someone who is a a different color than you? I mean, how easy is it to say, oh man, white people. (laughs) This white person just, man, it's because I'm black or it's because I'm Hispanic or it's because this, it's because that. You could do that, and you may be right eight times out of ten. But what about those two times you're not? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, okay? You do whatever. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, how much more peace would we carry within ourselves if in those kind of interactions, instead of jumping to the conclusion, you're racist, You just say, I don't really know. I don't have proof. I don't know what's going on inside of that person's mind and heart. All right. I'm just saying. My point with all of this is, if you want to change the world, change yourself. Starts from in here. We already have a savior of the world. His name's not Danny. All right. And it's not your name either. All of this that we're giving up, you understand, you're, you're giving up your own control and anxiety for a peace that surpasses all understanding. If you want to rid yourself of anxiety, because it's so easy for all the problems that we have in our world to fill us with anxiety. It's normal. You want to rid yourself of anxiety? Simplify your life through absolute trust in God. God, I'm going to put that in your hands. God, I'm going to put this in your hands. Almost like, like a little child. Like a little innocent, ignorant child. And people may say, you're being foolish. Well, I'll be a fool for God if that's what it takes to be at peace in this world. Amen. Just focusing on myself and letting the chips fall where they will. All right, let me pray. 
God, thank you so much for your love and your grace, for the presence of your spirit that is here with us in this moment, changing us and transforming us, calling us to a higher level of being and seeing in this world. Today, we offer ourselves up. We lay down our own self-importance. We lay down our own self-condemnation. We lay down our need to be right and to fix and change everybody else except ourselves. And we ask, God, that you help us to maintain our focus on our own transformation. Because when we change, the world around us will change. We're so grateful, God, that you are with us every step of this journey. We're never alone. We trust in you. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Love you. Thank you for being with us. I hope you have an incredible week. No service next Sunday. We'll see you the second week of July. Bye-bye.